0: Hello, and a warm welcome to the Centre Left Politics Podcast with myself, Malcolm Clark, and my co hosts, Carl Quilliam and Owen Gardner. Uh, just before we get started, just I'm sure you're aware by now, new episodes arrive every week on Fridays at 5 pm, so please subscribe to make sure they appear in your podcast feed. So before I give you my update, Owen, how has your week been?
1: How are you getting on? I've been too bad, really. I'm not officially a doctor. That's um, in a non-medical sense, so So it's um, doctor of philosophy, but uh, yeah, not bad. Sam Rossford had his campaign launch on Saturday, and that went really well, which is great. So uh, so, yeah, all good.
0: Brilliant. Well, congratulations on that. I've now changed the show notes to say Dr. Owen Gardner. I will use that every week, um, but I'll make a... Isn't that horrible, though, that you have to almost... You gave yourself a disclaimer there. Like you said, I'm not a proper doctor. I'm just... No, no, you are a proper doctor. You're just not a medical doctor. Well,
1: I'm, I'm great <laughs> with calpol and plasters. Anything beyond that and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, great achievement. Well done. Um, and Carl, what have you been up to? I
2: was just going to ask Karen if he was uh, if he if he's insisting on people calling him doctor now. You,
0: that... <laughs> I, I think he should. I mean, it's taken how many years to get it on?
1: Uh, well, given there was the marketing and assessment boycotts, uh, it took. Five and a half months to get my viva. So it's been five and a bit years, all told.
0: I mean, that that seems to me like I'd be want to be called Doctor. I mean, after five and a half years, I'd be like, look, forget my first name. That's dead. Never call me that ever again. <laughs> <But> brilliant. <laughs> um, Carl, what have you been up to this week?
2: Um, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I had a, at a kid's party on Sunday, so sort of typical. Yeah, not, nothing to add on that, really. It was... Usual, um, uh, people can imagine what a kid's party is like, full of twenty kids marauding around. Um, parents' evening tonight, you know. Oh, lovely! Yeah, got uh, <laughs>
0: not expelled to well,
2: be in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> hopefully, the bar's slightly higher than that, but yeah. Of
0: course.
2: <laughs> You've got the it's the sort of classic one one teacher slightly stricter than the other. And you can, and you know, yeah. Anyway, I, w- I won't go into that because <laughs> again, people can imagine what's what's gone on in my life. If you week. do want
0: um, the full report of, own, of Carl's child's reports, just email us at CLP. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll
2: send the i send we'll the will have call. to
0: sign an NDA, but far from that, it's two, all yours. Two sides, sides away, four. So. Shout out to Mike Indian, who I think will actually email in and ask for it. <laughs> and Ben.
2: How, how, was your, how was your week, Malcolm?
0: My week was not too bad. Um, fun and games around uh, technology in certain quarters, but I can't go into it. Um, yeah, doing, doing good. I think post-conference, it feels like politics is like... I know I'm not being flippant or glib here when it comes to the, the global events, but domestically, it certainly feels like it's been a bit more inactive than maybe we would have expected. But clearly, you know, things have overtaken us in, in respect of other things. Um, but yeah, personally, it's been quite a, a quiet week, so I'm not complaining. Um, look, I've been, I found myself even more than normal looking forward to the podcast for a bit of action, so I'm, I'm ready to go.
2: It's <laughs> nice to be the highlight of your week, Malcolm.
0: Oh, well, you always are, Carl, but just even more so this week than, than normal. It's, the bar's even higher, because we're talking about bars. It's even higher.
2: Um, Feelings mutual.
0: Always. Um, and not a, not, a, not, a, not a single piece of insincerity in that conversation at all. That's what I've got to say. I love it. Um,
2: <laughs> like how Owen's just keeping out of it. Yeah, he's, he's thinking, like,
0: what am I doing here? Um, Dr. Gardner's doing all right. Leave him alone. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to just have a quick overview now of what we're going to discuss this week. Uh, we're going to cover, uh, the COVID inquiry is ongoing, uh, which doesn't get a lot of coverage, but we're going to look at some comments that have come out this evening. By, by this evening, I mean Thursday evening. Um, made by uh, a top scientist that will be not welcome reading to Rishi Sunak. Uh, we'll get into that. <clears throat> There's also been uh, an individual convicted of stalking an MP, Gavin Williamson. Uh, he is an MP. Um, There's many many labels you could give him but MP is one of the probably more ones that he would approve of. Uh, We're going to look at that story and also MPs and security as we approach various types of elections next May, mayoral roles and potentially even a general election which will take place next year, possibly not in May though. Uh, We're going to look at the bizarre circumstances surrounding the whip being removed and the imminent parliamentary suspension of Peter Bone MP. And also uh, perhaps more, one of the more lightest stories that we could find, could Nigel Farage be back as party leader, but with the Conservatives? We're gonna have a look at that as well. And you know, you think, is the world crazy enough for that to happen? Probably is. Um, and then also, as we always do, we're gonna quickly take a quick look at the by-elections in mid-Bedfordshire and Tamworth, but not for too long, because you will all know, listeners, the results uh, as we don't, as polling is still ongoing for another hour or so. Um, but first you'll be aware that the main news story of the week uh, globally uh, and, and for very good reason is the conflict between uh, Israel and Hamas um, and it won't be lost on any listener that this, uh, to debate this topic at length really does demand those involved in that debate to enter the well I think it's like a binary space at least in the minds of those who are particularly impassioned by either support for Israel or Palestine for us to select one side or the other and defend one side or the other and if you don't do that and i only speak for myself to say that I don't have particularly developed views in this area. Um, I don't feel you can do the discussion a great deal of justice when the comments are limited or, or sort of stagnated in in, in that way uh, obviously my thoughts always with uh, all families who are facing hardship or bereavement or any suffering of any kind. Um, and my sort of general view if I can share it is and you guys can come in if you wish or not if you don't. Uh, is is that conflict of any kind never really realises the objectives that ignite these conflicts, so I just hope the fighting ends as soon as possible. Um, but on this podcast, we do generally focus on domestic political issues here, uh, so I hope you understand why we're not going to get into too much detail on that issue itself t- today or probably any other week, but you know it's going on and you should probably read about it and learn about it and think about it. Um, but yeah, we're going to move now on to the first topic of our discussion that I mentioned just a moment ago. And this is, and I, Carl, I, I don't know whether, I, again, I'm conscious I've said a lot of words. Would you like to introduce this one or you or feel free or to tell me to do it? I don't mind.
2: Uh, this is the one that's... Um, Sunak. Rishi Sunak's been called Dr. Death by a top scientist. Which is quite a quite a thing. Um, I only, uh, well, I mean, I only spotted this uh, about twenty minutes ago, just before we were starting to record, and obviously only just sent it to you. So I think um, we probably all have quite a lot of context, given we all lived through the pandemic.
0: Yeah, this is a brand new story <laughs> was,
2: as we do this, just to put that out there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a, it's a new story, Bob. It's a new story, but it's not. <clears throat> it's <clears throat> about an old thing. Um, which was the, the eat out to help out um, scheme, which uh, was uh, the brainchild of Rishi Sunak, which for those that don't remember, and I feel like most people will remember because it was one of the only things that were happening mm. around that time because we'd all been stuck in our houses for a very long time. It was when uh, Rishi Sunak uh, somehow invented the taste card 10 years too late um <laughs> gave people a sort of two for one deal if they if they went to eat in a restaurant um at precisely the time a time where it was going to uh, increase the infect well it was all, it was always going to increase the infection rate for covid but um a, a particularly bad time to do it um, he's already there's already been whatsapps that have come out from Matt Hancock um referring to it as eat, eat out to help the virus get about um, and this is um don't laugh, Malcolm. It's Matt Hancock. I shouldn't laugh because it's COVID, but like that is quite funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's I think it's probably not. Uh, it's quite. It's yeah. It's quite a stark thing for Professor uh, Professor Dame Angela McLean, uh, because we're being very careful about people's titles today, aren't we, Doctor Doctor Gardner? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Used the term during a private WhatsApp message. Uh, so I guess this is just a kind of compa, it's a compounding thing for for Rishi Sunak to really demonstrate the the extent to which he was just ignoring advice at the time and and that what was you know a, what should have been a much more measured, sensible and cautious approach, which we just at various points just didn't have during the kind of height of the pandemic. Um, but what do you what do you think, um, Doctor Gardner?
1: Well, as a non medical doctor, um, <laughs> no. Uh, Sorry, we all saw those. We all saw sort the of images of people sneezing, and seeing how far the uh, globules of snot went, and you kind of think, even I could see, and even a child could see that if you sneeze in a, a room during COVID, it would spread stuff. Mm. It, it's kind of the measure of it's an really that he pushed it so much uh, and it's so incompetent more than anything else uh, I mean and to be fair he was my MP until 2018 uh, and having seen him firsthand uh, in the constituency it's sort of yeah it, it's terrifying to think that he thought it was the right thing to do but ultimately it helped the virus and nobody else um, and we couldn't go out because mum was you know suppressed Uh, Time, so we couldn't go and eat. We wouldn't spread the the virus anyway. Could have uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. For those people who did, you kind of think, well, if I could see what was going to happen, they should have been able to see it too, because surely it's sensible. Uh, If you don't cover a sneeze, then or a cough, you know what's going to happen next. So, uh, Doctor Death is quite a in many ways I think uh, certainly in his constituency given the average age is about 94,000 um, across the constituency but, um, but yeah it's about time it came out already, <clears throat> and it was obvious so yeah why wasn't it obvious to him
0: yeah I think I mean I remember at the time um, I'm classed as high risk because of a diabetes uh, just had my uh, just had my fifth COVID injection on I think it was Saturday I felt really ill until about Monday, sort of tea time. I was like, it really did get me this time. Um, but yeah, I would, I still, you know, like to have them. Interesting for me is, is I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, I believe this scheme was before the first vaccine came out at the end of 2020, must have been. So, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. So that that, mm. that, as I recall, like trying to remember exactly everything, that was my main thought at the time and I was just double checking that I hadn't just made that up in my head but that was definitely my main thought that we were still in a situation where the very worst spread of the of what was a very dangerous virus to many people and still is but now it's contained in a way in a similar way that other similar viruses are contained so the, the issue always has been and this has been something that's kind of irritated me when I, and to this day I still have conversations where people go no one ever mentions it now. Everyone's got it. I know, you know, I know a few people who've had it. I know Labour Conference, a lot of people caught it there. I've got a colleagues off at work and a lot of people are off with it at the minute. But it's like a flu. Because now you know that I've had my flu jab and I've had my COVID jab. And that's now going to be a, a, an annual thing for me. Um, and the, they're able to give that to people who are at the highest risk. This was before then. And... It was designed to help businesses recover. Now I appreciate there was, you know, a great deal of pressure. You know, businesses were shut down. It was very difficult, uh, particularly for the, um, obviously the service industry, which is, you know, depends on people. Um, but I just thought I remember thinking this was just reckless. You know, we saw what happened in terms of the stats, and I think the COVID inquiry will be very interesting to see what they say about this because, in, in retrospect. Perhaps we we, we saw it in foresight, if we were critical about it. In retrospect, the numbers went, you know, through the roof, literally. Um, And that surely. And in some ways, I think, just to finish, and I'll bring one of you guys back in just to to comment. It's almost a test for the inquiry here. Because if they somehow managed to come out and say this wasn't a nightmare, then that would just undermine the whole thing for me. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they say, but yeah, I'm not surprised. People who who know about these things, people very highly qualified like Dame uh, McLean, uh, Professor Dame McLean, yeah, they knew it was a nightmare. But God, we should spoke out a bit more instead of doing it privately by WhatsApp.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see from, I mean, I can see from their perspective the difficulty that you have because all of the all of the measures that were put in place relied completely really, I was going to say heavily, but completely relied on people trusting and listening to the government of the day Mm -hmm. on a kind of day by day, week by week basis. So it's quite a, you know, if you were to come out and, and say that something like that publicly, you would be part of, you know, undermining trust in the government. And the only way the measures that, you know, the science set is a sort of catch 22, really, isn't it? It's a, the science says one thing, the government is doing something you think goes against that or is dangerous for people. But if you call it out, then it kind of undermines the trust that you need to implement the thing that you want to happen. So it, I think it was it must have been quite a difficult time for a lot of people like that in, in within the system trying to get things done. Um, I mean, I think you touched on as well, there, I mean, the government does have to, I guess, part of the job of the government in that situation is to kind of balance the kind of, the, that kind of scientific advice with other needs, businesses. I mean, I think it was fundamentally wrong to, to, do, <laughs> to do what he did at the time that he did it personally. Um, but there is, you can't i'm probably making am making an argument that i don't really agree with so i don't know why i'm doing it but but the government does in in theory have that kind of wider remit to think about to balance that one thing against the other i don't actually think it, it from what we know and what's come out and all the other things around this that aren't just about this particular piece of advice i think actually what was happening was a fair bit of chaos um and boris johnson being boris johnson you know Dominic Cummings referred to him as the trolley um and i think that you know a lot of this stuff that's coming out i think demonstrates why it's just sort of veering around with no you know not actually balancing those things but um you know just going against the advice
0: yeah or do you do you think it could have been and i appreciate i'm putting you on the spot here but the alternative to, do, to opening things up like you did would be to have like an ongoing lockdown. And do you think in some ways it was, I mean, that's quite, that's quite a binary position. I appreciate there's nuance that you could have done. Um, but I guess the the obvious question for someone who would be sitting here and saying, actually, I support what the government did and that was OK, might be to say, well, are you saying that we should just have stayed locked down for the whole year? Um, I'm not really sure, but do you have any views on on the sort of pressure that they were under to to do
1: something? Um, well, I think, like I said, with Mum being that at-risk group, mm. we were locked down anyway by proxy because of that uh, thing. So in a funny way, I'm probably biased because of that. But I mean, the Chancellor the exchequer at the time should have been following the government's advice the JCVI are there to advise the whole cabinet, not just Boris Johnson or uh, some like, as individuals. And it, it's frustrating because there are people who, even a year ago, were still shielding, mm. who couldn't go out, who couldn't see their friends, who may have lost parents or relatives to COVID or who, who died from natural causes during the pandemic. And they couldn't go to the funeral, they couldn't even see, say goodbye. And yet there was Chancellor going, "Isn't this amazing?" In a Wagamama with some, I presume, chicken katsu curry and some rice, and flaunting that you're spreading the virus. And it's like, well, mm. I know they're busy, <coughs> but you don't ignore the basic advice, which was to wait for the vaccine. I think initially, then it kind of changed slightly, and then move forward. Because surely, by spreading it further, it ensures it mutates, and if it mutates too much. You missed that window of opportunity for the virus to mm. uh, sorry, the vaccine to work properly. Yeah. No, you're so, right. So yeah, it's um, it's very frustrating and yeah. really annoying. And I think it's about time it was hard really. But I guess they had to do it in private in terms of what's happened stuff. Cause they wanted to keep their job, maybe?
0: Well there's, there's always also, that. There's always that. Sorry, Owen, you wanna you fan finish?
1: Oh, no, I'm kind of, I kind was riffing on a theme which I probably shouldn't do too much, but um, but I guess they were probably following advice as well to keep the conversation private rather than it kind of rushing out into the media and that kind of thing. So it, kind of, it does kind of make sense on WhatsApp, but that doesn't take away from the fact that people have been left bereaved due to the policy, and that in itself makes the whole thing stink to me anyway, so...
0: Carl, do you have anything further to add on that?
1: I don't, I mean, I, unfortunately, I, I mean,
2: no, I think I, I agree with Erin. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't have anything to say. Um, that's. I mean, that that's the crux of it. I mean, I, I, you know, I was, It's it's been a few years now, but I was so angry about this for a long time because it's up sort of similar reason, reason to Owen. You know, I've got family members who uh, are immune-suppressed that have been um i've had to you know that shielded much longer than, than everybody else that still now have to be careful as careful as they can really um even, even with where we are so the yeah something like this sort of you know it was, that was the thing that they were doing that was out in the open that was clearly misjudged we also know now uh, that we didn't know then all of the other things that they were doing privately that were yeah usually misjudged it just it, yeah it, it it's it's difficult because it, it's telling us things we already knew really but just in quite stark terms um i do wonder whether it will you know because of because the, the time has passed and because we knew yeah you know, in a lot of it then whether this will be the thing that kind of sticks to him and how it will you know whether it all kind of call in in doubt other judgments that he's made because it's just it's one of many things that we're kind of learning through this inquiry. But yeah, I don't, I don't, but having said, I don't have much to add. I've obviously have added lots, but um, regular listeners won't be surprised at that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's the sort of what next, I suppose, is the thing. And like you say, what happens with the actual outcome of the inquiry? What does the report say? And all that will be the thing.
0: It'll be, it'll be must read. I think <clears throat> I'll just finish on then we'll, we'll move on um, to, say that i was actually surprised at how like for example you know when you go into say like morrison's cafe is this crazy example and you used to have they, they glued the screens you know the people who made the screens must have made a incredible amount of money from all the installations that they did i always thought that the sort of separators between the booths will be there to stay um and and they haven't been they've been taken down and we've, we've gone like right back almost like an obstinate refusal to you know to to to, to keep anything in in that I thought we would retain some of the, she you know the for example I thought people might queue in d- the d- distance in the way we used to do automatically for a long time and now we now we don't we just queue the way we used to, um in shops and I think that was one thing that I maybe thought would would stay, um but I think where people are keen to get back and I think that was part of it but um we spent 20 odd minutes on the first one so i'm gonna obviously introductions as well but yes we're gonna we're gonna press on but it'll be like i say just to finish on must reading when that eventually comes out which could be a long time away let's be honest but uh we'll be interesting to see it so we're gonna move on to our second uh planned discussion topic which is a man being convicted of stalking gavin williamson mp um now without i'm not gonna name him go online find it if you want uh this gentleman approached gavin williamson in the street when he was on the phone to a constituent uh he did it on two occasions on one occasion he flashed what was said to be a warrant card and said i'm going to arrest you to gavin williamson um and williamson uh was a bit intimidated by it and it, and, and it escalated to court and he was he has been convicted he has not been sentenced yet um he's 45 year old. Um, and basically not sort of an interesting character. He tried to read. He asked the judge if he could read a poem out in court uh, during the recess. I mean a bit of an interesting character. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what he will end up getting. be interesting to see what sentence he ends up with. Um, but the, the bit that I wanted to sort of talk about, not so much this specifically, but it just highlights the issue. We're heading into an election period. and I'm gonna start with you. I've got a couple of questions that we will quickly go around. There's three questions. Um are politicians more at risk than ever as we go into a general election?
1: Uh, it's. I mean, I suppose the easy answer is yes. Uh, we've all got examples of where we've seen it or heard of it. But having been out with Sam and a few other people campaigning, the majority of the responses have been people welcoming us with open arms being friendly even the tories we spoke to last night uh i mean it might not going a vote for us but they said oh you're the first person to come around for the whole campaign type thing you're more than welcome it's great to see that kind of stuff so perhaps it might be certain personalities attracting certain people i don't know uh certainly looking at who uh a particular MP that has been chosen by this person. Um, my main question is why would you want to stalk a failed fireplace salesman? But um but yes, I mean I, I think like I say it it's easy to say yes, but there's always the sort of qualifying I've got on the other side. So it's yes but also no but also yes kind of thing in lots of yeah. ways. But uh...
0: Uh, yeah, I mean I'll just quickly say I think I think, I mean, it's, again, it was a bit of a, a leading question. I think that it's clearly not as binary as, as that, but I've had a few poor experiences on the doors, uh, knocked on a lot more than people realise. Um, not as many as you own, I'm sure, not as many as you, Carl, as well, but I've, I've done a fair few, and most of it's fine, Thank thankfully. I mean, if it was every other door, it would be virtually impossible to do it. But, uh, Carl, I know you've had some sort of interesting experiences to play the least on, on the doorstep, Um I guess the question is maybe a better question is, do you think it'll get worse, and, are, and at what point does it become such a big problem that we have to start thinking about security for our politicians?
2: Um, I, I mean it. It's one of those things, like you say, that the majority of the time is fine. I mean, and that's that's the you know the majority of our politics, the majority of the time is fine. It's just. There are these extreme incidents, and it's the extent to and uh, that are horrific and shouldn't be happening. And there are periods where it feels like there's a kind of es- there's an escalation uh, for lots of different reasons, whether that's the kind of polarizing nature of the issues or what's going on in the kind of you know, wider world. Um, yeah, you know, we you touched on the kind of Israel. Gaza conflict at the beginning—that's a hugely polarising issue for lots of different reasons. Um, but, but there are there are many others, and it, it does. I suppose there's a there's two separate bits to it in the sense that there's that feeling of um, the the feeling of how safe or unsafe you feel kind of dips and and, and rises mm. often depending on what's going on and the you know the the Brexit. The, period after the Brexit referendum for a lot of people um, was like that. There was, you know, we, uh, you know, you sort of alluded to some of the things that I, have happened when I've been out kind of campaigning. We've had, you know, some, somebody at a street stall being pushed into the road um, or, you know, onto the floor, or almost in front of a moving vehicle. Thankfully, it was all fine. And, you know, the person sort of ran off and, nothing, you know, unfortunately, yeah, was never caught. But... Um, that's a really kind of mild example really of the kind of things that can happen because you just you're putting yourself out there like you say knocking on people's doors and things like that um so there are periods like that that just feel uh, where you feel less safe Mm. um but the the kind of intractable bit of it is like you say do we want to go that step further and have security? you know you can have security for mps because you they you know who they are and um they have a job and a role and they, that can sort of be resourced um but it puts people that bit further away from their constituents and the people they represent but then there's all of these people that, you know there's candidates you know do they get security the people that work for and with them it is it, such a kind of how, where where do you kind of stop with that kind of stuff it's, it's so difficult um, but yeah, and, and I know we've talked about it before. Like, mean, you mean, you've got you talked about it a lot as well, Markham, in terms of the kind of the broader picture. And I don't think, yeah, I just I don't know what the solution is. I don't think there is a kind of a clear solution. Um, it's probably just trying to do a lot of bits of things to maybe take some of the heat out sometimes when it when it does start to feel like that. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Carl. In terms of, it's probably best if we take the heat out. And I think one of the problems with it is that. Politics is going to put the heat in, (laughs) you know, in terms of it's connected to the public, so you can't ever remove uh, it from there. And I I can remember um, the late Stuart Bell MP from Teesside, um, back in I think it's 2010 to 2015, he had a particularly uh, troublesome uh, uh, incident with somebody. I think I think he'd been attacked, but I, I can't remember the particulars. And he decided just never to have a surgery again. He was retiring at the next election, and he just stopped, and that caused all sorts of problems. Um, because it was too extreme you know like, like you say the vast majority of people are fine and I would say because I'm not someone who's known for giving the um, the public a lot of credit um, but I will say that I'm always very impressed with people who can come up to someone and say you know I, I profoundly disagree with you and I'm angry about something and um, and I'm going to use the example of Richard Holden actually because he gets approached in the industry quite a lot and has had some Arguments with people <clears throat> not who necessarily are our labor members necessarily although he has on a couple of occasions But people who've just said, you know I'm really affected by something that could say was done. I'm really really upset with you and he's come back with his patter, And I've thought oh god, you, you know, it's so really gonna kick off now and and they've just said yeah, I disagree with you and walked away and I'm always really impressed with people who've got the control not to escalate because ultimately in politics you tend to have opposing you know clearly opposing views that don't shift a lot on most occasions and when you don't get what you want you know we, we all get frustrated and we can react in an angry way and there's almost a, a tacit acceptance in politics anger is part of it these days so I'm always very impressed with people who manage to keep their composure and act in, in, in a good way and I see it a lot far more than I probably admit uh, that it's just the ones you know I had somebody once who it was just in, in my local ward and <clears throat> knocked on the door and he, he opened the door and he, he said you're all the blinking same go away or words to that effect and slammed the door, literally slammed the door so of course I um walked away Um and, and then he came out and followed me up the street and carried on and that was the point where I said look you've made your point I hear you. I'm not going to knock on your door again you need, okay you need to leave now like you know you've made, you, that's it Thankfully, we, we went away. Well, what I didn't like about that was the sort of line in the sand that was drawn that if he then crossed over, where were we going to go at that point? And that's what I didn't like. And I think it's always that, like you say, Carl, it's that perception of uncertainty and feeling of, are you safe? For the rest of that day, I was on edge because I thought, I don't want that to happen again. And it didn't. But that, I still had that like anxiety inside of me thinking, like, what do I do if he comes for me? Do I have to fight back? Am I going to end up in jail? You know, All this stuff's just going around. And it's, it is difficult. So as well, you know, I admire anyone who puts themselves forward for election. When well, I found myself um, telling people, I remember someone said to me, they went, selections opening in the seat that I'm I'm in. And, and I'm like, are you thinking about standing? And they said, uh, yeah, I'm, I quite fancy it. And I went and I found myself like, are you sure? are are you really sure you know that type of thing so it is difficult so the second question because i appreciate i want to get to these guys that's all right because we're getting on over (laughs) half an hour Um, in the event where something does happen i'm going to start with carl on this one what what are the appropriate penalties i guess is probably the first part of the question and are the ones that we have currently stiff enough sort of the same question but like if somebody for example pushes and shoves a candidate is that just the rough and tumble of politics or and again i'm sure you, you know what i think of this uh you know what i guess i'll just leave it as an open-ended thing Call. what should we do when these incidents happen
2: what should we do um so i so, um whenever this kind of i mean it's you know, different depending on the, what the crime i mean there's, you know what what actually happens um, I'm not someone who's tends to uh, typically calls for kind of tougher mm. sort of sentencing. Um, not because, I, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, sometimes people deserve that or that that's the appropriate thing. But I think in the, kind of in the round, um, I don't think it's the sentencing necessary that deters people. It's the, it's the being caught and something being done. Um, and i think that's probably the mm. yeah to the point that i made earlier um the the a lot of the time this sort of just it, it, it nothing really happens at all um so it, it sort of doesn't matter the extent what what but what sentence or otherwise they would get if they were caught or prosecuted or whatever because actually there's no there's not really much of a mechanism most of the time um you know that I think we touched on it last week but the prisons are full um, at the moment we, if we if we start sort of uh, increasing penalties and sentences for for something uh, you know, what what we're we going to do with all these people so um by the, yeah broadly I think yeah, there should be better kind of, probably better communication with MPs and candidates between them and the police, and there should be a bit more understanding, I think, um, and more working together. I know that does happen sometimes when the ha- you know when there are kind of serious issues or serious threats and things like that, but perhaps if the police were a bit better resourced and a bit more kind of able to do stuff like that, that might be one thing that could help and reassure people.
0: Owen before I bring you in, I just wanted to, to share that when I was dealing with um, an elected parliamentarian, Pat, who came on the show, um, I always perceived the police, and again, it was my own subjective opinion, that they kind of thought it was part of, part to be expected in some ways. Um, and just before, I, again, I'm going to ask you to comment on the penalties, but I just wanted to, while I remember, on, on the issue of Gavin Williamson, I think there's quite a, even for myself, who would probably say that we need to act. I was actually surprised this got to court as a stalking one because he didn't actually assault him. He followed him and t- shouted at him. Now that happens a lot. Like I've just said about that story it happened to, that happened to me. He followed me. Now I would never have in a million years thought I could have took that to court. It sounds like I could have done because he was aggressive. He was aggressive. He was he didn't enter my personal space but he he walked faster for me to think about that he might And then he stopped. So it wasn't me. I just stood there thinking, well, you know, I'm about to get like physically, you know, get into something here. Because, you know, I would defend myself, you know, if I had to. But it was kind of like, it was a bit scary. The dude wasn't much smaller than me. And I'm a big lad. So it was kind of, you know, that kind of way. So I was kind of thinking, for me, the bar comes at assault. I think candidates, and this is why I think candidates have to be sure that they're happy to stand, have to expect that they're going to get some verbal verbal licks on on, on the street uh, i'm sure sam's had them he knocks on loads of doors uh, you know you're going to get people who are very very abrasive because they hate politics Not, it's nothing personal in a lot of cases it's just you are the face of this thing that they see on tv and really makes them angry and whatever whatever um, so, Owen, just again, pulling back to the... To, and again, I think Carl was correct, absolutely right, where he said it was a very broad question that I asked. But generally speaking, I suppose, what do you think about the... I guess, you know, if you came across an incident when you're out with Sam in, in the and constituency, it's a, it, it's a tight seat, so people are going to be passion and They know their vote matters, so they're going to be keen to have their side win. What, how do you feel about, you know, any instance that you come across, noting that the vast majority are fine? Um, but it's it's do you feel the penalties do you feel protected by if something did happen that there will be some decent recourse for whoever did something even if it wasn't really serious which we
1: hope obviously it wouldn't be Um, I guess another option for the easy answer is largely they are fine Um, so yes but we are quite lucky in the sense that we're not kind of prosecuting the person who's done it Mm. because we would be very biased um, and it's in the end, it's up to the judge to decide what the penalty should be based yes, on the evidence course. that's presented, yeah. which is great. Obviously, if we were out and then say a group of us, there's more witnesses to what's going on. So it makes for an easier mm. argument on, on our side. Having said that, it is a good thing that there are or at least a precedent for any form of well, potential assault like we were talking about or uh, stalking more generally the problem though is that the person who's got that to court is very well known yeah irrespective of being a politician they are very well known so that raises the question for me is was that pushed that far because they had the access and what if it was somebody like me i'm not a candidate at the minute but if i was to knock on the door say in crook uh, and somebody came at me, with nobody around me. How would I be able to get it to court without without the proof kind of thing? So, so yeah, I suppose a penalty see It's it's up to the judge at, at the end of the day, which makes it sound like a bit like a, a cop out. But fundamentally, it does. The system does work, mm. um, and we've got to be fair to both sides, irrespective of our, our own particular viewpoint. But again in this case stalking is generally quite a long process it's not a something under the law it's not something that happens twice so that is a kind of a question that comes up in my head anyway but again why go for williamson he's known as a bully anyway but also he's well known so it's kind of where do you kind of stop with the, the broader argument but mm-hmm. penalty we'll see what comes um and again i guess it would depend on the judge and yeah how they're feeling on the day really
0: i think yeah i mean but we'll move on but i think i think no i agree with that one i think a really good point you made about um and i think you know i've, I've put a summary there the bit probably it was outside parliament i believe so there would have been witnesses i think so yeah without getting to the minutiae of the case i think you i think you're absolutely right there it, it is interesting that you know if i'd have took what i had happened i think they would have said well did he i think the first question that would have asked me is did, did did he hit you and if he didn't then you know why are you on the phone but there you go that's just but again that's me speculating um so <clears throat> on to something else um the final story before we move into our politicians behaving badly section and the time's flying by we're 40 minutes in who's speeding the clock up carl i don't know whether that's you own um <clears throat> so we have the that the last sort of main story is a tease by Nigel Farage um, made at the launch of Lord Ashcroft's biography, new biography um, who said that he would be very, Farage said that he, he would be very surprised if he was not leader of the Conservative Party by 2026 but then qualified his remarks by saying that they would have to readmit him first as a member um, then the, the crowd obviously laughed at that and he said no I'm serious <laughs> so there you go <coughs> excuse me uh, Greg Hans then qualified by saying there's no vacancy and he's not applied to rejoin. Um, so, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. Uh, Carl, you very kindly sent that to me. Uh, so, I suppose I should give you first crack at this one. Is it just an absolute jest or is there a little bit of fantasy there for Farage? He quite fancies the job. What do you think? And you're on mute. Thank you for muting to avoid echo. <laughs> but there you are, you're back.
2: <laughs> I would first like to caveat that I sent it to you with the words, "I don't know if I really want to talk about natural marriage. <laughs> but I. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I I kind of sent it because one, it kind yeah, it it, it did ha- it came up today uh, as a news story, but it also is a kind of follow on for him from his sort of tour de force at the Tory conference. You know, he will always find a new way to get in the news and be the story. Mm. We had the kind of ridiculous farce of him complaining about not having enough money to have an account at Coots earlier in the year, Uh, and now he seems to be getting. I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my strongly worded letter didn't make it onto the <laughs> page of the email. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, this is his latest thing, isn't it? He's he's very good at getting the attention and unfortunately uh, the media like to yeah, reward his behavior by giving it to him. <laughs> um I think the, 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 i guess the serious bit of it is is that there's a strand of the conservative party at the moment um particularly within the membership you know there's sort of there's been a few stories about sort of entryism into the conservative party whether you can sort of fully call it entryism i don't know but that would never happen to a,
0: ma- a main political party would it <laughs>
2: <laughs> no comment malcolm um but uh, yeah uh, that has been there's been stories about that, that you know there's whether it's entryism or however else you want to sort of term it, there is a, you know a lot of love for Nigel Farage in the Conservative Party. That was evident at the Conservative conference. Um, there are certainly a lot of kind of former UKIP or other, you know, Farage vehicle members that have, have joined or rejoined the Conservative Party that would probably be quite keen to vote for him if, if they let him in. I think they'd be absolutely mad to let him back in. But Rishi again, Rishi Sunak did say at Conservative Party conference that he would consider it. So uh, it, none of this is beyond the realms of possibility. Unfortunately, if the if the Conservative Party and we've talked about it before, there are a lot of different paths for the Conservative Party after the next election, whether or not they get back into government. At the moment, it very much looks like they're not going to get back into government. Um, and if they choose the wrong one, it could lead in short order to re, you know readmitting him and. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he stood um, and was <laughs> was successful with the membership. Whether it'd be another kind of Liz Truss uh, crash and burn situation, I don't know. I think that if they were in opposition, obviously he wouldn't have any. Luckily, won't have any controls or, or any of the levers of government. But um, yeah, so it is a bit silly. It is him trying to get attention, but also it could happen, which feels like a, quite a you know, a good encapsulation of politics.
0: <laughs> well, you'd have to get to Parliament first, and that's proven to be slightly problematic to him in the past for the last 1,200 times he's uh, stood. Um, <laughs> I guess so the, the wider question, and feel free to comment on, on Farage in general, don't think I'm pushing you away from that. Uh, I've always thought that the two standout candidates for the next leader of the Conservative Party is Swala Brammerman who would be the, the fabled lurch to the ideological right if they lost and also Kemi Badenoch who's perhaps not too far away from that type of area but perhaps perceptively slightly less so and potentially slightly more moderate although I don't think she would appreciate that label Um <clears throat> but you know not not as bad as Sweller Braverman. I guess what to say and I guess I always you know Pretty Patel always comes back to me you know there is going to be outsider candidates come forward um, your views on this story, Owen, but I guess I'm interested in where you think that presuming the Tories lose, who you think might actually get it next time?
1: Uh, well, I, I agree on the two standout candidates. They're quite obviously positioning already. Uh, as to Farage, it would like to say, presume that he would be able to win a, a Westminster election, which um, seven times on the trot would be, or uh, well, the eighth time on the trot would be. Mm. a bad loss for him but equally would he really want to be the leader of a party where his chairman will update his little note saying I'm sorry Prime Minister we have no MPs left Uh, but um, I don't know he's very good at getting press uh, and wearing his mustard cords and whatever Um, but no I mean there must come a point in every politician's career where their standout remarks for him in European Parliament to Helen Van Rompuy was, who are you? And that will be the the main question I would suggest for people who are younger than us uh, coming into the Conservative Party which presumes they have any members below 60. But um, I don't know, it's, it's it's self-advertising on his behalf deflection for the party, I suppose, from today's by-elections in some ways which again we'll find out uh, About the morning, um, other candidates. I mean, even Rory Stewart saying that Bodenock and uh, Bruffman are the most obvious candidates, and he said that repeatedly for the last sort of eighteen I'm months. I'm of
0: stealing two. my ideas.
1: I know he must. He must listen to the podcast. I'm sure. He um, does. <laughs> uh, but no, it's there's not going to be a massive talent pool of next election for them, really. Even on half decent numbers it's not going to be
0: yeah
1: good um and it's a very shallow pool of well, both in terms of depth of people but also the, the the complete lack of ideas they've got at the minute it's going to take <clears> at least <throat> two problems to turn it around so it's it's interesting but perhaps i'd say it's deflection more than anything else so
0: yeah, no thanks for that owen um carl do you have any views on on that at all um, is there anybody else you can think of who someone like Gove I mean Farage will be 60 in April um. so whether or not he would fancy that at this stage of his career uh, I'm not <laughs> sure Um, but so, yeah as... any other any other standards
2: well I mean Farage, I having mean, 60 isn't that old for most people in so America he would be possibly. too young but I was going to say for for most people, and most politicians, I think probably Farage's lifestyle probably means he's, you know, I did, I once did one of those you know those machines that tell you how old your your sort of real age is compared to your actual age, and I was ten I was ten years older than than I was, so I can't know. He's probably about 105 if he did the same thing. So, uh, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, so I I mean I I think. Um, it depends on the scale of the defeat. It depends if if they look like they have a shot at the next election um, after the after the one next year. Um, then I think the pool and the of candidates is different. Partly because yeah, so it will mean that some MPs survived that may not have expected to. But also I think someone like Kevin Badenoch is. Very ambitious, and she's—I think—unlike, um, yeah, unlike Swallow Braverman, she's smart, or, or she has a, a level of smarts, um, that like political smarts. Uh, I mean, um, that might mean she steps back at that point because actually she might want to wait, and I think that's the kind of environment in which, uh, a. Kind of a Gove character stepped in he was a supporter of kenny Badnock. Um, he's a kind of obvious sort of caretaker um uh that can sort of prepare the ground for the next leader so he's i think yeah, i'm sort of struggling to think of anyone like him and maybe a sort of i'm certainly not his biggest fan but grant you know grant shapps assuming he he makes it back he's got a ten thousand majority He's potentially under threat with the, where the polls are now, but you know it's that's he, he should in theory he should be able to hold that um, if yeah you know, in a scenario where the Tories do slightly better than expected, so someone like that might be a kind of caretaker as well. Like, I think there'll be probably quite a few people. <coughs>
0: not Nadim Zahawi, Carl. I...
2: Didn't know. Sorry, not N- Nadim Zahawi. You know. I think no. he's no well. Boost. <laughs> let's say no
0: Um... but actually it's an interesting point though that there's not if you think of people who've like emerged say since 2017 election there's very very few and when when you consider they've been in the ascendancy since pretty much you know they've been there 2010 and they've gained seats in 2019 there's been very few emerge as, as serious
2: contenders um at all Well, i think Sorry, I was just going to say, I think they—is it 60 MPs now that are Conservative MPs that have said they're standing down, or is it 50? But it's a—I mean, it's a it's lot. Up there of so there well, yeah. The yeah. Yeah, of the current cohort. Some of those are new MPs. So, and they had—they burned through quite a lot of the last election. There um, is a, well. a
0: spreadsheet that I've got access to somewhere that's updated every week by um, Parliament that keeps a. I'll send it. I'll send it around. not to every listener because I don't know who you are. But uh, i uh, uh, yeah, I can drop you that call because it's interesting. I think there is. It's, it's Hatai. And it's, it's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who are just chicken running, really, you know. And there's quite a few SNPs that are starting to arrive on that list as well. Because, you know, things are starting to look slightly bleaker up north, shall we say, on that one as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've had, I mean yeah, when you add that to all the by elections of absolute wrongans they have to stand down, I mean, <laughs> it's quite, quite a chunk as MPs
0: well that is Uh, a perfect segue Carl, into the next topic that we're gonna discuss because we're this this is crazy like I couldn't leave this out and I maybe even wanted to in some ways but um, I'm gonna very quickly give it an overview and if you haven't read this everyone I would recommend that you read the the art the articles are in the public domain nothing I'm saying here isn't in the public domain Um, but Peter bone the Wellingborough Tory MP who is I think known as a character of the house um, Over the many many years. He's been an MP he has been uh, Well, he's been chucked out the Tory party. So he's now sitting as a, an independent um, and apparently he is alleged and has been found in a IEP report to have Indiscently and it's been alleged by the company. I'm gonna say alleged. So I'm not sure what's been found and what hasn't So I'm just gonna say alleged everything and then you can find out for yourself whether it's real or not um, <clears throat> Alleged to have Indistius exposed himself to the complainant on an overseas trip initially in the bathroom of the hotel and, and a hotel room They were sharing and then in the bedroom uh, verbally belittled ridiculed abused, and humiliated the complainant repeatedly physically struck and threw things at the complainant uh, imposed an unwanted and humiliating ritual on the complainant including instructing or physically forcing the complainant to put his hands in his lap when mr bone was unhappy with him or his work and repeatedly pressurized the complainant to give him a massage in the office um, so the you know um also includes accused of indecent exposure at a staff member and yes he's been uh, parliamentary watchdog the independent expert panel at iep has recommended a six-week suspension that Parliament will be voting on, have yet to vote on it. And if, just a note, Peter Bone denies all allegations. Um, he's been an MP since 2005, and he has a majority of 18,540, which is less than the majority of the Kia May that overturned to win Selby and for Labour. Um, who wants to go first? I'm not going to pick on anyone, because it's whoever wants to enter the mire with me here and talk about this. This is weird. I mean, I even at the even at the, the sort of bar of mps getting suspended this takes the biscuit for me this is just very very odd in my view who wants to take a swipe at this first
2: after you owen oh
0: thanks cole well so delegated
1: um... i was trying to be nice to give you... <laughs> go on owen. i mean let's have go. um well let's talk about the constituency first it's a nice constituency um is not anywhere that you can complain about really uh,
2: unless he have a piece of
1: bone <laughs> uh, well quite yeah um, he's only been an MP since 2005 and yet he's become this kind of well his stupid jokes about his wife on the floor of the Commons is just yeah. pointless really um, but if things are proven then the procedure has to be followed it can't not be Um
0: have been it just worth saying as well on I've missed out sorry about that he would uh, be subject to a recall petition, mm-hmm. probably, given the ten percent generally is pretty easy to find if it's available, because generally ten percent are vote against you no matter what, <laughs> no matter what it is. Um, so I guess that do, do, it's a majority of eighteen thousand five hundred forty Owen. Is it? I guess my question: you, you you do know the constituency a little bit? Do you think that's one we can overturn? Uh, is it, or is it too complex um, to say Key and May did a bigger one so we're going to win
1: it's a very different seat to Selby Oh, well, Selby honestly um, Selby's ex-mining mixed in with lots of rural bits and pieces and I suppose the other thing is it's a bit further south than Rutland mm-hmm. uh, the majority of seats that sort are of around Rutland are, are Tory tend to be Tory even when they've got a single MP for example Um I'm not saying it's impossible though. Uh, I think with the right candidate and if the regional office did something similar to Selby but with a much more sort of Midlands focused uh, campaign, it would be it'll be great fun, I think, and says he speaking very <laughs> subjectively. Um, but it's not Like I say, it's not quite the same as Selby. It's much more small towns rather than, say, a big place in the middle and then lots of smaller villages around the outside. There's no Drax Power Station, for example, uh, so you can't really use that. Uh, I think if we were to get Waddingburgh, if there was a a by-election, we'd be on for a stonky majority. um, The last time I won it was 2001. Uh, So I've done it before. But that presumes there will be a by-election, and if it is voted for uh, in the Commons, then we'll see. But it's like I say, it's not impossible, but it's a completely different sort of setup to Selby.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. If I was the monster raving loony party, Carl, which I probably should be, um, I would change my name by deed poll to Mrs. Bone and stand as <laughs> as the one. <monster-raving... laughs> Sorry, is that I had to throw that out there? Um... I like I mean, to make serious might... points. But over to you, Carl, for a more serious observation, I'm sure.
2: No, I was just going to say that might well happen. I mean, I uh, you've know, you said it now. I think you can get claim credit for when, <laughs> for when they do it. Because so, <laughs> they, they do yeah. change
0: their name to Screaming Lord, whatever, don't
2: they? Generally. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they stand, try and stand a cat. Oh, well, no, they had a leader that was an animal of some sort. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, send them, send them a note. I mean, I'm sure they listen to the podcast, so you probably don't need to, but...
0: Uh, I mean, you've, you've yeah. mentioned three people that I'll definitely listen in. I mean, that's stretching our listenership pretty far now. You've,
2: <laughs> you've accounted
0: for most of them now.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, the cat that's the leader. I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting we be Well, the brains <laughs> of the outfit, clearly, I mean. But, um,
0: yeah, um, I guess, Carl, do, so, you, do you think... I mean, he is an odd character, and, you know... the to me this this i genuinely found myself thinking like is this some sort of joke it's the kind of thing it's the sort of thing if it was April the 1st i'd never believe it
2: yeah i mean it's bizarre behavior it's a uh, you know but the, it it seems to just keep coming if and uh, you know I, I don't understand i don't understand what this particular um yeah it's there the are Cross party issues with things like this, and I'm, you know, first person to admit that. But this crop, you know, this crop of Tories, um, Peter Bone, probably, you know, that they seem to just keep producing these these awful scandals that force them into either standing down or, you know, recall petitions or whatever it is. I just, what, what what are they thinking at every level Yeah, you know what's he thinking as an individual what's the party thinking collectively I How reckon at this point it's just
0: I reckon they don't want Labour to take the credit for destroying the majority so they're
2: doing it themselves it's a sort of yeah what's that um, if you are to be destroyed you must be the master of your own destruction I can't remember who's that what that quote's from it was Carl on, Quilliam so. in 2023 I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but i mean on the sort of the the seat is i mean you know the the issue aside and the man aside and all that um i'm quite, quite tired of elections now yeah <laughs> yeah really yeah, enjoy the next section that we've got <laughs> we're gonna have to be swift no, on it though um no, but, it, but i think <clears> you know this is the next like there could be because there's so, so much of this stuff it feels like the peter bone one isn't going to be the last one it feels like they're just going to keep going until the next election. Well, we've got two now, two. yeah and to your point about can we win it i think there is coming a point very soon where the party uh centrally has to think very carefully about whether it's worth winning any whether it's worth winning any more by-elections because the amount of resource that goes into them when you're trying to win from so you know overturns such a big majority actually we need to be putting that resource into 200 seats all across the country that are probably more winnable than peter bone seat yeah uh, that's not to say we shouldn't fight it but the kind of the terrific you know Get, trying to get all of our kind of selected candidates up there, trying to turf up out lots of people from HQ or you know lots of members, D- doing that in a you know in a more proportionate way, I think might be needed quite soon. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point, call. I, I, I think you,
0: I see where you're coming from with that one, definitely. And uh, Owen, who's battling with a, I think it's a three thousand, six thousand, or seven thousand majority. Bishop. Uh, but obviously, read boundaries. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not huge. Very, very winnable. Um, they probably won it by a bit more than we expected at the last one, to be fair. So I think it's a very fickle vote. So, yeah, certainly could come back. Um, but seats like that will be where Labour will have a very keen eye on um, <clears throat> at the election. And these seats are very difficult to hold, Carl, as you say. You know, we win these these like Selby and It'll be hard for KMA to keep that one at a general election when people are more thinking about it more deeply i think it's fair to say and historically if you look at seats like that generally the vote's been different when it comes to generals excuse me yeah um,
2: definitely and it's not even about thinking about how, how people think about it it's just there'll be a lot of conservative voters that just stayed at home because they were not at the government when they have a choice between labor or the conservatives they'll they'll just turn out in a way that they be it's just how by-elections work unfortunately.
0: so just a very quick because again we've, we've in Deirdre, we're right bang on time where we should be. Um, we have the two by elections that have taken place today Nadine Dory's seat and Chris Pinch's old seat Tamworth and Mid Beds.
2: Um,
0: do we presume Labour winning both? Would no,
2: no. So, I'm I am i i have become a sceptic this week, and I, I think this is uh, as I start banging on. Um, if you could just check the betting odds for mid-beds, because I saw something earlier in the week that suggested that the betting odds was starting to shift towards the Tories. I mean, the the one thing I would say about mid-beds is that the Lib Dems who started off, uh, as we've said before, trying to bag the seat and saying they were the best chance to beat the Tories, the betting odds are absolutely rubbish for them now. Um, but yeah, have you had chance to have a look, Malcolm?
0: Yeah, just got them up there for you, Carl. Uh, the Tories are the favourite they are 8 to 11 which is uh and labor are 11 to 8 so flipped over uh, which is close to six to four so they're odds against liberals four to one so liberals are in the mix but not expected to win labor are definitely you know people aren't wanting to put a ton of money uh, take the bookies aren't going to take a massive bets against them but the tories are odds on so not, but not by a lot so it is quite close but that does definitely suggest that people are not whacking money on labor to win this because that odds are still odds against
2: yeah and the and the Lib Dems are still fighting it yeah hard, I mean I if it, it gets be... you
0: know nobody's wanting to lay five to one on them so it's not and when you consider the independent screens reform monster Raven etc etc are all 100 to one or more it just goes to show that all of there's an outside chance for everybody here the main parties
2: yeah yeah but what I mean is the <laughs> there isn't gonna be a they're, they're trying to hold their vote at this point and yeah. that sort of anti-tory vote uh, to the extent that it'll go to the lib dems some of it will will stay there if yeah hopefully it won't but there's a that might be the the sort of the thing if it's a if it's a really close call between us and the tories it might that might be the thing that's that's made the difference i mean we'll find out
0: we'll yeah find i mean the listeners will know as we say this whether or not that is true and and can either laugh at us or say how impressed they are with your foresight. And just for everyone's benefit, if that's what happened, Carl hasn't seen the result yet because it hasn't happened as we record this. But uh um I'm just trying to think. Ah here we go, one second. Tamworth by election odds, Labour are one to four on. So that is in Tories are three to one. Uh and the Lib Dems are sixty-six to one. So um two horse race with Labour as heavy favourites to win that seat. So it could be one and one, Carl. If I think, if we go by what you said. Uh, Owen, do you have anything to say on that, or um, do you want to move, we'll move to uh, your
1: last one? I mean, I suppose. I mean, you'd hope we'd win both, a bit like Glen and wherever else has been happening. Um, I think it was interesting that the Tories had to actually leak their internal memo saying they're hoping for it to be one to one. Having said that, who knows? And we don't, obviously don't know now, It's not 10 o'clock yet, but um, if we get both, that would be amazing. And it would be a bit of a shock for Rishi, I think. Um, but, again, being uh, electoral mystic Meg is probably not a, a good idea at this time of night, given there's only 45 minutes to go. Uh, so, preferences both, but we'll see.
0: Great. So, uh, very last uh story that you wanted to cover just very very quickly is the political craziness is not confined to the uk uh Owen, did you want to just give us a cu- very very quick overview because we are slightly over
1: um of the u.s speaker elections so they, they basically got rid of uh the speaker i think about a fortnight ago or 17 days ago uh, in, uh, on Castle Hill, uh, and they have failed so far to elect uh, a Speaker. And for some reason, in America, the Speaker is second in line to the President. Uh, so they could literally cannot transact any business whatsoever, whether that be aid to Ukraine or helping out uh, elsewhere. Uh, leave alone any kind of debt restructuring that needs to go on before they get to the budget. Uh, I think Biden speaking... Tonight, uh, from what Channel 4 News said, they've got an interim speaker who didn't want the job, uh, but he can't do anything apart from, say, we haven't elected a speaker, because there's no remit for the interim one. And I think it does really show quite how bonkers American politics can be. that They let the second highest office, in effect, in the land be vacant for two weeks. Mm. I mean, they have nothing else except that to do, but... I suppose if you've got a rump of Trump focused election denying Republicans wanting to make a, a splash that's all they've got left so
0: so yeah well actually the interesting is obviously Jim Jordan is the hardline Ohio Republican that has lost the two votes so far um, he's a Trump loyalist uh, and 22 Republicans and all Democrats voted against him so it's the vast majority of the Republicans voting for him on which is interesting and Patrick Mahen- McHenry is the temporary option uh, but recess was reached basically him just putting the gavel down on recess and they haven't elected a, a speaker uh, jordan's actually backed off from a third vote and said he wanted mchenry to have more powers as a sort of semi-permanent temporary option if that makes sense or certainly interim uh, but he mchenry doesn't want that at all no not interested so they are at a bit of an impasse and i like you say as Owen rightly says uh, completely you know knacks everything uh, Carl, do you have anything finally to say on that one? I know it's not something we're going to discuss at massive length, but uh, you know, do, do, it shows, I guess, in some ways that maybe the, the vast majority of the Republican uh, is it the Senate?
2: No, it's, um, it's the House of Representatives. House of Representatives are still champion,
0: yeah. is what I was going to say. But yeah, go on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they're sort of all in hock to Trump one way or another. Um, that's the thing. But there are there are a sort of there's a there's a kind of small romp of like completely out there MAGA, what are they termed MAGA Republicans? Um, those kind of Trump supporters that are the ones that are kind of derailing all this. Mm. It's they want the most extreme person to be to be speaker and the rest of the republicans don't because they presumably want to actually try and get something done with this majority that they have in theory but not in practice because there's the this group of people that just you know just want to they're just records really Um, and it'll be it has it potentially has international implications if it uh, further down the line if they can't uh, so that all of this has come about because of not being able to pass the debt ceiling, which is a new, uniquely weird American thing, where they pass spending commitments without paying for them, uh, and to compensate for that, they have an uh, arbitrary limit on the amount of amount that they can borrow, which has to be raised every so often. Um, they've just—they think they have extended by a month. Um, so if that if that falls, that could. Caused quite a lot of chaos for the American government and economy, and ultimately for the rest of us. So hopefully they get it sorted. Is my is my view.
0: <laughs> yeah, and goodness, I think Kevin McCarthy didn't he have 17 votes? Was that up in that region? It was some pretty high number. It wasn't two, I know that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very, very, very weird. Uh, and the the chances of getting any sort of constitutional change in America is just nothing, is it? So they're just always stuck with these. Pinch points that get in the way constantly, like for example, in the midterms when they're just the other side quite often just wins and that breaks down the entire presidency for the rest of the the sort of the, the, the two years that are left at that stage. But yeah, American politics, not something I know a lot about, but something I do find very interesting. And obviously, as the election approaches, can't wait to be honest. Uh, I do, I do enjoy a bit of American elections, and anything with Trump in is scarily good to watch. And <laughs> I mean, scarily in the Sense of like actually terrifying. Um, <laughs> so, I think that just about uh, wraps things up for this week. Um, do you guys have any final things that you want to say before we before we wrap up? Um,
2: just uh, best of luck to our two candidates in the two by elections. I agree with Owen. I hope we win tomorrow, and I think we've got a good chance So
1: fingers, Keep crossed. Our fingers
0: crossed. Yeah. No, absolutely.
1: And Owen. Uh, no, I agree. So, um, it's quite an easy way to end, I guess. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, thank you uh, to yeah. both of you for, for co hosting, giving your time. Um, so, for Owen Gardner and Carl Culliam and myself, we will see you all next time. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.